Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three. Two, one. All right, everybody. Well, welcome back to the Gamekeeper Studio here at the Mole Hole. Here we are. Yeah, then we've refurbished it yet once again. Mm -hmm. Shining the light on Hercules right. once again over here. Herc is here. Herc yeah. is here. Old Herc. What it's, is it's, uh, What it's, was that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a busy week, though. You know? Busy. Yeah, it's been a busy week. Busy, yeah. busy week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, this is going to be a fun show today. Uh, and I can't wait to we'll get... We'll get down into it, and uh, we're, we're going to talk about soybeans. We're going to talk about. We're going to do a deep dive into soybeans. Mm. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this episode will have more information about planting soybeans. What you want to know, everything you want to know about soybeans, than any other podcast has ever done. Well, if we're talking to Heath North, yeah, we're going to hear it. That's for sure. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. He really does. He does. So. You know, it's been a week since we were here. We had a lot of fun with Daniel and Neil. Yeah, okay. we did. Yeah, that's a, that was a really good podcast. So what's been going on with you guys in the meantime, Lanny? I think you and Hayden, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. We got, uh, there he is. That sounds like my son walking through the woods right there. <laughs> yeah, so what's, uh, what's been going on? You know, we got lucky and uh, drew a couple WMA hunts uh, this year. I was really fired up because they were early in the season, which I like to, you know, I like to have the first run at them. So I uh, was really pumped up about that. You know, just like with anything, uh, sometimes things don't work out. We had the we actually drew on the tornado days. I don't know if y'all remember those last week. Torcon nine around here. Yeah. Uh, so and the turkeys were silent, but it didn't fade us because a couple of days later we had drawn another tag up north. So we went up and camped uh, and it gave it a go and Kind of the same thing up there. I think I was, I'm ready before the turkeys are, which you can imagine that's, that's pretty common. But, uh, it, we still, I think the thing, we really had a good time no matter what. And that's the great thing about, you know, hanging out with your friends, family in the woods. So yeah, we still the whole family went, you guys yeah, camped. Yeah. The first, uh, you know, it was so, the, the weather was so bad. You know, uh, Shannon's a little leery of t me taking my kids turkey hunting when it's, you know, supposed to be, uh, tornadoes and stuff. So I went solo by myself. Uh, that first hunt pulled up to the gate there and there was a guy there and I was like, "Oof, you know, it's kind of bummer. Uh, but hopped on out asked cause there's some private land pretty close. I don't know. He might've been hunting the private land was hoping he was hunting the private land. Uh, and he wasn't, I said, he had drawn the WMA hunt too. And I said, well, cool, man, I'm going to go somewhere else. And he said, no, man, come let's, let's go, uh, let's go together. And I was like, well, okay. Uh, but we ended up, you know, making a, a, a tour through the woods, uh, not much going on from a, a, a bird activity, and that's for but, sure. No but you kidding. made a friend, though. Yeah, I think I did. I think I did. His name is Land, actually. Oh, did you hear that? Land Smatters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, good. Well, so you, uh, so you didn't get on a bird? But no, you we made, didn't made get a on a bird. Yeah, but, uh, you, know, I, you know, when you run into somebody in the woods and they're all in bottom land, this guy was hunting uh, in sandals. Yeah, so wow, was, that's different. He's he was, hardcore. Yeah, he was yeah. Indian like, that's for sure. But we had a good time talking about turkeys, um, connected some old things. I actually knew his uncle who used to work here, and I think he maybe played a role and introduced him into some of the things. And so mm -hmm. that was good to catch up. So, did you tell him your, did you take him to your hot spots or did he take you to his hot spots? We or? were both going to the same spot. I mean, because I tried to do that. Well, if you're going this way, I'll go <laughs> yeah. this way. And he's like, eh, eh, I'm going that way. I'm like, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, anyways, shout out to Old Land. That's great. Good yeah. run. And I think he's, uh, I think you've heard him on maybe the hunting public before. Yeah, he was on he's the hunting big, public forum. Big deer hunting guy. Huh. Big deer hunting guy. First guy I've ever turkey hunted with in keen shoes. 
So did he? Uh, He's not scared of water moccasins, I guess. Yeah, I couldn't do that. You can't do that. No. No. You'd be tiptoeing like a ballerina through yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, the snakes are for real. They are real. Yeah, yeah. You will, you will eventually see one. Yes, you will. <clears throat> You're not careful. So, Dudley, what about you? What's been going on in your world? Not oh, much, obviously. I forgot about the oh. second part of the WMA hunt. I oh. cut him off. Well, go ahead. Ah, well, yeah, we didn't realize you were yeah, still sorry, going. <laughs> Keep in mind, this is an hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, after the storm, like Dudley was saying earlier, we we took the whole family up and camped uh, and turkey hunted in, in a, on WMA in North Mississippi. And, yeah, again, I was think I was a little early uh, for the for the season. Just seems like spring's maybe a week or two behind. Um, yeah, the ground's still cold. Right. So, uh, anyways, really good time, uh, you know, just spending time with the family on the water, camping, and in the woods with your kids is a great time. So, we had a good time. Yeah. Did y'all get to fish? Oh, yeah, we fished. We didn't catch any fish either. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty, you know, I like to go on trips and bring something <laughs> back home, but uh, we, we did stop at the Waffle House, you know, spent a lot of time there. That's good. important. Yeah. And, and and camped over the camped and cooked on the, on the fire and all that good stuff. So, just uh, having a good time. Well, good. Yeah, well, good. So well, maybe we'll kill some turkeys later. So I have no doubt that Hayden <laughs> and oh, yeah. you, somewhere in the future, are going to get on a turkey. Well, we strike a turkey, I hope. Yeah. So. Well, Dudley, what about you? Well, you know, lots of turkey season stuff. Uh, got to take my wife, Kelly, Sunday afternoon on a stroll in the turkey woods, and we struck one up. Couldn't get him to come in. But uh, had a great time, laughed a lot, uh, just walked around in the woods, actually ran into somebody else who was very friendly on our way out. Um, wow, y'all so, are making friends. I'm yeah. you, you got to try <laughs> yeah. this public land sometime. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, uh, I don't mean to cut you short. Y'all are making friends. I heard that David McElwain, who we call Lil Wayne. Yeah, he's got a new name. Yeah, I like well, that. Lil Wayne. So he killed a turkey on public land. Yeah. But I heard he had a confrontation with a guy. Yeah, from uh, Louisiana, and it got a little kind of sideways, but little Wayne prevailed. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like it is. Sounds like it rode off with a turkey take, yeah. into the sunset. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> little Wayne, good I, job. So, what about you, Bobo? Oh, I had a big week. Yeah, so uh, took my daughter and uh, accomplished something we've been trying to do for almost twenty years. Twenty years in the making, and uh, you know, so for for so for many many years, like close to twenty years. She doesn't like to get up in the morning, so she would she would wait to the end. She would say, okay, I'll go with you one time this season. And she would wait to the end, and all the plums have been picked or right. the weather was so the hot. The lilies were falling down, yeah. Yeah, so this year she went on opening day, and we did not hear a turkey gobble. And she said, you know, opening day is very similar to the last day of the season. <laughs> <laughs> but then we went, the sunshine came out that afternoon, and the next morning we heard a couple birds gobble and got on one, and she got the full show. Oh, good. And killed a turkey. Strutting and was, gobbling the whole deal. It was mm. so exciting. I was so proud. What time did y'all shoot? <clears throat> About 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. I think that's right, yeah. So did you hear the bird on the roost? Or no, did not hear one? a turkey on the roost. Yeah. Just It just struck him on the ground. It seems like most of the birds I've heard of this year, not much gobbling on the roost, but killed later in the morning. I don't know about y'all. Same here. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I have a theory. So if you, like when I grabbed that turkey's feet, they were cold. Yeah. And the ground is wet, the ground is cold, and it's then it's colder than it usually is at this time of year. Yeah. And I think that has an effect on the birds. So while I'm at that point, we also, I'm so proud, Jason McKellar, we've added a new feature on the Plant Biologic website. We've got a soil temperature chart that's live and updates every couple of hours. So if wherever you are in the country now, you can go to plantbiologic.com and click on this chart and see what the soil temperatures what? are. So that'll help you like planting soybeans and spring protein peas and some of those things because corns, because soil temperature is, is kind of like the starting point. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's on the, that will, when this airs, that will be on, that'll be a new feature on plantbiologic.com. Gotcha. I'm excited about that. I am too. Well, wait, yeah. we can't quit talking about Jesse's turkey yet. Okay, yeah. Well, So it was a lot of fun. Oh, good. Yeah, she 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 got to see the whole experience, and when it was over, she was shaking like a leaf. Yeah. That's, you know. Just yeah, like she posted a little video with her hand shaking, and that that's just great. If, if you can get somebody to experience that, then they're going to want to go back. Yeah. yeah, the problem is now she wants one of my other turkeys. Oh, see, that's, what, <laughs> that's where I was getting. So now, Bobby won. Yeah. Is that... Is that 
Is that one? Well, that was her turkey. That, that was, that my, was a her guest. guest. That was your guest turkey. Yeah. Okay. So, so now, so what happens next? I get my guest gets to kill next before you kill another bird. Well, I don't know. I don't think we have to go in any certain. Well, that's order. what a gentleman would do. I mean, I didn't go down there when you were hunting your firstborn child, hmm. you know, and stayed went went north and stayed in the public ground, you know. So I figured you would honor me a little bit, hmm. but maybe not. Well, yeah, I can point you to where I'm <laughs> Here we go. Change the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, okay. can, we can figure that okay, out. Okay, so, so your one guest bird is down. We know that, though. Yeah, but okay. I am. So I'm probably at a crossroads if she wants to go again. What uh, We'll talk about it, that on the next it'll podcast. Be my, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be well, I'll be giving up one of my birds. So there's a lot going on. The spring issue of Gamekeepers went in the mail this past week. So people are probably already getting it. I love it, seeing that issue with those turkeys on the front. I think it may be the looking at all the information on the inside. I think it's the best issue we've ever done. Ever done. Really good. Really, yeah. Hey. Good. How long? How long have we been doing this? Well, over ten years. Over ten years. Mm, it's a decade. Yep. We need to kind of uh, give uh, Todd Amonrude a little love there. Yeah, no doubt about hard it. On that thing. Works really mm-hmm. So I was handed uh, this morning some. People are commenting notes, uh, emailing Mac and on social media about the podcast. And I thought I would read a couple of the notes. Oh, no. Okay. We're getting oh, so far. Okay. So the first one is, uh, can Lanny do an entire podcast without laughing? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say no. I can't that do anything about yep, laughing yep. much. Yep. And so a suggestion was uh, one day we get Dudley to explain cryptocurrency. Oh, that's good. Oh, wow. Are you yeah. invested heavily in cryptos? I'm not. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Bob? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I don't even know looking? what that is. Oh, okay. So, so uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the here's the third one here. It says, and I'm, it says, why hasn't Richie been on and given any updates to the Gamekeeper Television Show lately? Well, he so, hadn't been here. So, Richie, is that your wife? Or perhaps it's uh, emailing that one <laughs> yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. Where <laughs> have you been, Richie? Maybe she knows. So, uh, <laughs> so we hadn't had Richie on because, uh, well, the Gamekeeper Television Show is not airing right now. <laughs> And Richie is so relieved because I think uh, with those times that we had him on, he, he, got, he got stressed out. Oh, okay. so, yep. so please tell you why. We love you, Richie. Yeah. And then we did get a good comment here. Uh, actually, it says, uh, I, I don't have a cult packer. What are some of the other ways that I can cover seed after planting? That is a great question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we might dive into that one day. Hmm. Might. Might. We're yeah. not even going to talk well, about you know, that. No, we, we, I mean, we that, can't, how can we, you not answer a question? Answer it's just it's right there. It's a direct question. Well, we, we can. Let's go. Oh, let's go. Dudley, go. Dudley, hit it. If you own a four-wheeler or a Ranger or a golf cart or a truck, anything, you can drive back and forth. Uh, until I got uh, a Packer Max, Cult of Packer, that's what we did. We drove back and forth on our four-wheelers, and it worked great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I've, exactly what I've done. I've seen people cut cedar trees and drag them. Yes, uh, that'll my granddad put a little used dirt to do over the top of the, the seed. old chain link. You know, a chain link works, works chain pretty good really too. Well. Um, the uh, sometimes throw you a cinder block on top of that thing. You know, get a little weight on get it. Get a little weight on it. Sometimes that can bury it too deep, though. If you're not careful, now, it depends and on then, what kind of soil you're working with, Bobby. It, it does. You know, <laughs> how much moisture you have in the soil? You know, come on now. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, last but not least, I've seen people take just chains and spread them out. And, yeah. dra- and drag them. We've done that a lot. Uh, with drag them behind a, 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 a ATV. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a, even a, a seed planter of some kind. Mm-hmm. You know, just loop your chain back there and it just kind of drags it. Yeah. Behind but, it. Even behind a disc, if you drag a chain behind it, it'll kind of bust some of those clods up for you. So uh, I'm guessing this guy may not even know about the, the Packer Max because that's not a real expensive unit and it mm-hmm. does a great job. But I know it's one of Dudley's favorite tools. I, I saw where they're also working on a roller crimper, which. Should be coming out. I'm not sure, but maybe a year, maybe a few months. But that's a neat feature people are using in this uh, no-till scenario. Yeah, it really is. So before we bring on the guest, I've got a trivia question. If you guys would like to try your luck at it, oh boy! Uh, you know, last week I got yeah, I got burnt pretty bad on my trivia questions. But you don't look excited, Lanny. You know? Well, I don't. You know, I don't like losing. You know, and I'm still mad about the. And they're all question. trick questions. <laughs> no, th- this is not a trick question. This okay. is rather a layup for you guys. Okay. 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 okay so I'll bring it. So, um, a mature gobbler, when he's fanned out, you keep you see this beautiful fan. How many feathers are in that fan? Oh no! Here this is go. going to make me look like an idiot. But Mac, I'll throw all you right. in this on, on this one too. Let you count. <laughs> Jason's Mac, over you, there. Mac, are you uh, are you there somewhere? I'm going to say, yeah, I'm here. can I guess? 
I think I know. But you go go first. I'm just gonna say 17 because I don't know. Okay, my uh, Lanny. 18. There you go. Uh, what about Mike? I was gonna go with 18. As yeah, well. it is 18. Ah. <laughs> I'm so glad I got one right. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> 18 in life. Yeah. How about that? So, all right. Well, why don't we do this, Mac? Uh, have you got a commercial? I do. I have a, I have a good one this week. So. As the woods come alive with spring, we as gamekeepers start thinking of property improvements we want to make happen and the tools we need to get them accomplished. One tool that seems to be overlooked when you get there is a good pair of pants and a good shirt. Right now on GamekeepersFieldWear.com, we're offering a Gamekeeper Spring Bundle. This bundle includes a dirt shirt, CRP pant, and a Gamekeeper hat. Not only does this bundle look good, but it'll perform when you need it most. When you purchase this bundle, you can save up to 30%. We, wow, look yeah. good in the field. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a that's a really Bobby. I noticed you have a nostalgic uh, shirt on well, today. I do. Yeah, I have an old companion a shirt. Companion on. shirt. That's yeah. classic. No, that's Mike, the old shooter shirt. You know, it is. I love yeah. it. Probably twenty five years old. That's say. OG for sure. That man. is OG. So thank you, Mac. That was good. The uh, you did a great job reading that. And, uh, <laughs> you're, you're just knocking out the park. just knocking out the park. So, Mac, Mac with the delivery. You know, so before we uh, bring on the guest, uh, we, we we probably, you know, we did, really didn't touch on blood on the biologic. There have been a bunch of turkeys killed. Yes, there have. And since we sat here last time, Neil None Hayes, Doxy's killed a couple. Uh, we mentioned my daughter. Daniel. Uh, D- uh, Daniel Daniel's on killed. the board. Yeah. I've got a nephew named Robbie Spigner killed a big turkey. Mark and uh, Taylor Drury killed turkeys in Texas. Mm-hmm. And Olivia Hamino. So she killed a big old turkey. It was huge. Yeah, it just it really was. huge turkey. So uh, there's there's been a there's been a lot of blood on the biologic. That's for sure. David Holly uh, killed one. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Saw Jeff Lindsay toting one out of a, a pine straw longleaf plantation yesterday. Got to be in yeah. South Georgia. Yeah. Well, I think it's about to really get started around. I do here. too. Got to get all my work stuff done and my honeydews done. And get back on the train, man. <laughs> Give me an example of one honeydew you've got to do. Oh, I don't have one. They're I've got countless. pages of stuff. <laughs> whole, uh, whole house. So we're going to hear from. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Shannon to keep those honeydews yes, coming. She knows. <laughs> She's got a PhD in ADD management. That's for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, what, let's say. Wait, don't what? I have a. It, did Little Wayne go hunting this week? This week, Little Wayne, Little Wayne is limited out. Oh, he's done. Yeah, he is done. So maybe he can actually help Richie. What about yeah, that? Be good. It must not. It's not <laughs> fair that he doesn't have a mic to where he can argue back. We can on the carpet over here. Yeah, climb on the gamekeeper carpet. So Little Wayne is uh, David McElwain. Yeah. He's uh, probably the youngest person down here, with yeah. the exception of our intern Austin. Yeah. No, you got little Cleve. Christian oh, Cleveland. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, my bad. I shouldn't even gone with age thing. Yeah. But McElwain is a is, is a young guy. Isn't he the guy? He's the guy that's on the market. You know? If you like, me, oh yeah, there it is. Isn't he? Sounds like he's got a half a boat and some turkey hunting stories. He's got a walkout song. Yeah, he does. That is a walkout song. So, like what happened this morning? So we got set up. Um, we walked in there and heard two birds right off the right off the bat. So on the roost. To, on the roost. God, yeah, and where's this? Hard. Where's this? <laughs> Indian Springs. Anyway, <laughs> so birds were gobbling on the roost. Not very much. Uh, it's pretty cloudy here. And uh, started going to them. Heard some hands between us and them. Got set up. And then uh, birds hit the ground. All the hands started coming down. And uh, after that, birds kind of shut up for a little bit. So I started calling. I'm trying to get my buddy Blake a bird. And he's sitting to my left. So, um, birds started gobbling again, <laughs> and then uh, they start coming in. We can tell they're starting to come our way. Well, yeah. Blake is set up where he can't see the bird. Oh, you've, been, you've learned from Bobby. Uh, here we yeah. go. Oh, this is the Bobby Cole yeah. take here. I'll take you turkey hunting. Yeah. You face this way. And I'll good sit job. in a good spot. Yeah, yeah. So, he was set up looking kind of in the woods, and I'm set up. And I've got a lane. It's, not, it's just an opening in the woods that I can see 100 yards or so. Yeah. And there's a big oak tree that's blocking him. So when I see the birds coming, I tell him, hey, they're within range. Yeah. And he's like, I don't see them. 
So, so no. being the gentleman you yeah, are. Yeah, so I don't, I'm not, I am not going to shoot until he shoots because I'm trying to get him a bird. Yeah. And this is his place. So I feel like I don't need to do that. Sure. So, um, good move. Just being Good a gentleman, move. Yeah. You know? a gentleman. So anyway, the bird starts coming in. And I, for some reason, wore a white patch on my hat this morning. What? And I know. When I sat down, I was like, I am, I have messed up. Yeah. So I was trying to cover it up best I could, and I couldn't cover it up because of face mask. Well, anyway, when the bird broke like 40 yards, like he's coming still. And when he, he is looking dead at me, I want no decoys out or anything. And this bird takes off running and he is running as fast as he possibly he's can. He's in attack mode. Straight at me. Blake still has not seen the bird yet. And the bird gets to probably eight or nine steps before Blake finally sees him. And he's still locked on me, run as fast as he could. And as soon as the bird comes across, comes out of the side of the tree, Blake sees him and shoots him. And then there was a bird behind him that I ended up getting shot at. Oh, so, well, nice. you owe Blake your life. Oh, that I know. That turkey might I gave, I, gave him, I, gave him, I gave him my apex shell, too, because he'd missed one before when I was with him. So ah. I handed him a shell. And nice. So did he kill luck. the turkey at nine steps? Nine steps. Did he body shoot or shoot in the head? Headshot. Let wow. me yeah. Do you think the turkey saw your white patch and thought it you was know, a turkey's head or something? You know, I don't I don't know that for sure, but it was just weird that I felt like he was locked on me. When he saw me, he locked on me. And was he, the bird in it strut makes sense. when you saw him and he came out of strut looking yes. at you? And then yes. folded his wings and ran as fast as And did the old dinosaur walk yes. towards you. Yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> looked like a pterodactyl on that run. I think I heard <laughs> I think I heard the other day somebody saying an old timer mentioned like you can flash the color blue and you know or something like that and yeah. sometimes they'll. I'm always react scared to get to shot, yeah. <laughs> but you do look like a turkey. Yeah. <laughs> may have been what's yeah. going on. He is getting a little beaky. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that's exciting. Too. So you're limited out now. No, yeah. I've got. I've I've still got you know one more turkey in in Mississippi to oh, see if I can catch up with. Um, yeah. Well, I thought we were we were in the self-imposed two bird limit. You're not going to follow that on public. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, on public. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that's understandable. Uh, this is this is getting way too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> public. I, you know, I have wrestled with several turkeys, but I've never had one out outright attack me. I saw one do that to Al Cheatham one time. Did you? And he'll tell you. We it, it uh, we were in this great big pasture and there's a little ditch and I, and I encouraged Al to crawl down this ditch to get a better vantage point and there was just enough of top of Al's back poking up that that turkey thought it was a hen walking over there and he took off running and I was oh whispering <laughs> and Al was get ready Al cross your legs <laughs> and he ran right up there but fortunately he killed it yeah. self defense that, but that turkey saw some movement. I mean, I witnessed it. Mm-hmm. That's what he saw, and mm-hmm. he took off from. And he had been he had been hung up for an hour, and then when he saw that little bit of movement, that that sealed the deal. Well, hey, I mean, you know, we know we always talk about. I'm saying wanting to see what they're hearing. You know what I mean? So, it's tipped your mouth especially over. if they've been hunted much. Oh, yeah. You know, they yeah. get a little pressure on them. That's why they're locking up and looking. Mm-hmm. Well, congrats, yeah, uh, Lil Wayne. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, so, uh, how's, how's everything else? So, I'm not going to ask about your love life. Have, we, you like have we heard? Has the suitor called back? No, they went quiet on me. Mm-hmm. And you sent the picture of the boat. He never gave me a picture of the boat. So, dang. I well, there it went. Falls on me. So yeah. maybe I should just take a random pontoon boat off <laughs> yeah. the and photo and send it in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. so we've moving got on. we got to, we got to get serious here and get moving on. So uh, why don't we uh, go, what, what, Lanny? You I'm got sorry, a, you got a question? Go ahead. You smell the. Oh the, yeah, yeah. So I w- was told at the end of the podcast that Vandy's cooking lunch. Yeah, that's right. We and, got the, in the gamekeeper kitchen back there. What is he cooking? We've got red beans and rice with wild boar tasso. And mixed greens with wild boar tasso. Now, what is tasso? I don't know. We had to get Mac to add. It's some kind of, it's, this is wild boar tasso, so let's let Mac tell us what tasso is. So, tasso ham is smoked, spiced, and cured meat, typically of South Louisiana cuisine. In this case, ham is a misnomer since tasso is not made from the hind leg of the hog, but rather the hog's shoulder. Gotcha. Gotcha. What's interesting is it's, it's typically fatty, and because the muscle is in constant use by the animal, it's actually got a great deal of flavor since they use it. Well, we're going to try some. This is one of the products that Vandy's been developing uh, with their partners at Gamekeeper Butchery. So we got some wild boar products, wild boar tasso. 
Uh, we actually got some wild boar and duck sausage that'll be in the red beans and rice too. So I love red beans and rice. Well, we hope you like. It. I tasted some of that tasso before they threw it in the pot, and it was good. Yeah, it, this would look really like really lean tasso. I've had tasso at restaurants and stuff, but this look, did look really lean, but really flavored. I think it was smoked and stuff too. So it's not available on Gamekeeper Butchery yet. But after we taste it and get it approved, our buddies, our little, uh, our, I won't say our little, our buddy Sam Color will be here today too. Uh, with Gamekeeper Butchery. So we'll have some uh, some taste tests and see how it is and hopefully get it for sale on the website pretty soon. Excellent. And to find out, they can go to Gamekeeper. Yeah, so they can just go to GamekeeperMeats.com to, I, yeah. to check it out. But Gamekeeper Meats, M-E-A-T-S. M-E-A-T-S. So it's not available. The TASA is not available yet, um, but we, we're working on getting it up there. Yeah. Well, so, y'all have done a fantastic job developing those products. Well, thank man. You just smell them. I love the yeah. smell of stuff Who cooking Who doesn't in the love to eat good food? I don't know. I know it's core to my existence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So look, why don't we take a break here? Mac, if you would, you're over there texting. Every time I look at Mac, he's texting. If you would, would you please see if we can get the guests on the phone? Yep. We'll do it. So, everybody, we'd like to welcome uh, Heath North to the podcast. He's from Stratton Seed, and uh, they are. We, we have been working with them on these game-changer soybeans for a few years, mm-hmm. and I don't know that I've ever met anybody that knows more about soybeans than Heath. I know I hadn't. He's incredible. (laughs) So uh, we've had some really interesting discussions here in the conference room through the years. And what I'm hoping to do is uh, is do the same here on the podcast, because I'm telling you guys listening, you can learn a lot from Heath. Yeah, and soybeans are a little bit intimidating. You know, I've been planting food plots for a while many years and, and they are a little intimidating but Heath can really break it down for you and let you help you understand them what to plant how to plant all that good stuff so. and also before we get started we've got Austin Delano who, oh, oh, who, our you know, own yes our own he, he's on here as well so that's where we are Heath how are you doing I'm good Bobby uh, I'm hoping you're not overselling me on this thing but uh, we, we're happy to, to be with you guys today and hopefully can crash through some questions you may have about the biologic game changers yeah, well, I, I can tell you, I'm, I'm not, I'm underselling you because the times I've been around you, mm-hmm. you, you uh, so, and, and let me just say this, Heath, we've got Mac in here. So when you start explaining some of this, remember that, uh, you know, let's not, let's not, uh, let's kind of keep it on a, about an eighth grade level. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with, I'm I understand. with Mac. Well, that, that, that's probably about where my education ended too. So we should all be in good, good company there. Yeah. Well, look, so I'm going to throw out the first question, and then I'm sure Dudley and Lanny and Austin, everybody's going to have a few. Uh, but could you explain to uh, to to us uh, why the forage beans are different? Yeah, yeah, certainly don't mind. Um, you know, it, it, it may do good. You know, I did a little research before uh, we talked today just to kind of look back and see kind of how soybeans got started in the U.S. because – you know, we all work from the same genetic base. Uh, it is fairly diverse, but um, there's there's a lot of similarities in things, too. So, you know, in, in looking back, I think the first soy test in the U.S., whether for row crop or forage, was, happened in 1879 uh, in New Jersey. So uh, it's been a, a staple crop for us for some time, and just uh, moving along to the early 1900s, I think there were about eight varieties of soybeans that, Folks were growing in, you know, roughly 50,000 acres in the whole U.S., which we know from a row crop standpoint is quite a bit different today. But uh, they continue to work on the breeder base and have different varieties come along. And in 1950s, and this will play into the game changer piece of it, the uh, there was a fellow named Dr. Hartwig who became the curator for the Southern Soybean Germplasm. And he was actually known for... Uh, breeding in what is now called the Hartwig cysteine that is in the Game Changer soybeans, which basically protects it from a lot of pests that are in the ground, uh, nematodes uh, most specifically. So those are things that can really hamper uh, forward soybeans as they move forward through drought seasons and some of the other weather, weather occurrences as well as just any pests that may be in the ground already. So, you know, I say all that to say that row crop, forage, they're all from the same genetic base, but what makes a forage soybean different is the way that the soybean is selected by the breeder to bring it to commercialization. So when we started working with the biologic game changer in what would be 2010, 
uh, we started selecting for drought tolerance, for pest control, for an indeterminate growth habit, which just basically means that it continues to get height even after it starts to flower, uh, as well as um, just the overall leafiness, the dry matter that we can get out of the soybeans. So, you know, those are your major differences in row crop versus a forage-type soybean. Uh, all tend to have similar protein levels, uh, similar analysis on any kind of the, the dry matter pieces, as well as uh, micronutrients. So, a, in a lengthy conversation, that that's the basic differences. Well, you you pretty much put it in layman's terms for us. You you did use a lot of fancy words, but uh, that indeterminate is really important because you know what you know a lot of the ag beans once they start flowering they go to making the beans themselves and not more leaves. And you know for the most of us we're going for that forage in the in the spring and summer uh, and in the fall. But having a few beans is nice too for sure. Um, well, and y'all and, seem to know, do your homework on having. Every you know every every aspect being important. Sure. So you know the biologic game changers we tend to call a dual purpose soybean because as much as we have focused on forage, we still do get very good pod production and bean production that'll help uh, carry those guys through the winter time too. So you know we try to hit a middle ground that makes it easier for folks like myself that have problems getting things planted and up uh, to to growing. So, Heath, there's a lot of guys that the soil temperature is uh, where they are. It's warm enough to plant right now, but I suppose it's beginning to start uh, that process as, as you move further north. Can you talk about when to plant these? Sure. Uh, soybeans in general uh, typically can be started to plant when soil temps reach 50 degrees. Uh, the mid-70s is prime when beans can jump out of the ground in two or three days, but uh, still planting in with soil temps in the mid-50s, you can look at seven to ten days probably and still have a stand of soybeans. Yeah, so we were mentioning earlier that we just installed a new soil temperature map on our plant biologic website to help guys. So uh, so I would think that also that you could look at nighttime temperatures. That would be kind of indicative of soil temperatures as well as, uh, as these things move forward. But um, look, when we talk about uh, – these things. One of the big advantages is you can control the weeds in the in this crop, and by spraying glyphosate. And can you explain when you typically like to spray? Is there a period of time? Is it twenty eight days or something like that? And how many times do you you think you actually end up having to spray? So it's a fairly simple process. It's not a specific science. Um, just. You want to start clean is the best way when you're planting. So if you're not able to till, if you're doing a no-till situation, coming in three to four days prior to planting and uh, spraying with glyphosate just to get the ground opened up a little bit will be a, a great way to do it. But also just once if you were uh, disking or, or killing something in, once you start to see those weeds pop up, you can go ahead and spray over the top. Uh, as far as being too small, there's really not too small. You just hey, really want to cut it off kind of at the flowering, the beginning of flowering stage, which people refer to as uh, R1. Gotcha. So is that typically when you get, you know, more or less canopy closure and, and don't have to worry about weeds anymore? It is. Um, soybeans have two growth stages, uh, multiple in those growth stages, but you have what's called V or vegetative state that work until the first flower comes, which is R1 to R8, which is full maturity. So, you know, at that point in time, you usually have a canopy where it's not going to be an issue or the beans are going to just about be too tall that you can do nothing but walk in with a hand sprayer possibly and still spray in the middles or if you're planting on rows or if you're broadcast, uh, you're, you're pretty much got a canopy by the time you get to R1. Well, I know weed control, you know, that was one of the biggest problems with spring food plots early on. So uh, just the fact that to make it easier that way is going to make it a lot better. And if you're going to plant into it in the fall, having that glyphosate resistance will help get some, you know, weed seeds out of your, out of your germ bank, out of your, out of the ground. You know, another way to boost 
you glyphosate performance on these beans as well as with any crop. Uh, the main green water type fertilizer works really well. It's the nitrogen content in there is going to help those weeds pull in uh, that herbicide a little quicker and give you a little bit more efficient kill. At the same time, you're feeding the crop that you're trying to protect and your beans there and giving them some uh, phosphorus, potassium, and, and a shot of micronutrients too in that meat green that's going to uh, give them a little boost in growth and uh, disease and bug resistance too. It's a healthier plant going to be more resistant to uh, a lot of the things that can help them, especially early on in their in that early life cycle stage. They just get out of that trifolia stage. Yeah, that's good. Lanny, you look like you've got a question for Heath. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm just trying to soak it all in. So, obviously, if, if Austin said that, I can assume that it's compatible to mix glyphosate with mean green and put it over the top of your soybeans. Oh, yeah, it is. That's great. It One tree. I've never had it yet. First react with it. Should you add the, because you're hitting hit it with the, with the, is it glyphosate? Is that the right way to say that it? That is right. That's glyphosate. great. Glyphosate. Oh, yep. Look at there. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, when you're spraying it with glyphosate, you do that multiple times, right? When you're doing ground clearing? Yeah. If well, you have weeds that need to be sprayed. Uh, okay. So I've always heard, and Heath, correct me if I'm wrong, that based on your answer, there is no like exact date. But I've always heard people say if you'll wait to around 27 or 28 days, you kind of have the, a really good flush of weeds so that you kill the maximum amount of weeds when mm-hmm. you spray. Gotcha. Sure, sure. You know, you just think about if you tilled up the ground, you're not going to have any kind of weed really just sitting there that's growing. So what you're wanting is for the weeds to be actively growing when you hit them with glyphosate because it is it is a contact killer, basically. So, Austin, you've had some really good experience with these uh, biologic game-changer beans, hadn't you? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're really hard to beat when it comes to, uh, you know, providing white cells, a lot of protein, a lot of digestive nutrients and at the time of the year when they need it most, uh, if we're talking about you know, trying to grow an overall healthier deer, not just bigger antler deer, but just overall a healthier herd, uh, healthier mamas with healthier milk, it's out a healthier bone, they get off to a better start. So, anytime you can have four soybean like this that's going to produce the amount of tonnage that it's capable of producing uh, and be able to control weeds in it one of the biggest problems wildlife managers have when it comes to plant warm season food for their sales is the weed pressure. A trouble that can come up with all the hard work you put in, all the time you put in the plot, only to be overtaken by weed. So it's a great option for guys who know they're going to have problems with weed. And, um, you know, there's a lot of Options on planting these too. They can be drilled. They can be run through a regular soybean planter. They can be broadcast, covered. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of options for everybody out there because not everybody's got the most sophisticated farm equipment. A lot of people like me are going to be doing it old school and broadcasting and they can cover it. So um, that's probably one of the biggest advantages of this this for soybeans. Just all the options it gives you on planting. How deep do you need to cover if you don't have a planter? He's could probably tell you an exact, but I, I'm usually trying to get my soybeans right at that one inch mark. And some of that can have to do with uh, soil temperature. You know, if it's your air on the side of a little bit of a cooler soil temperature, then you might, might want to cover it a little bit shallower. But I think ideally, wait till your soil temperature's in that 65 degree range so we're not um, taking a chance on these beans lagging behind and getting. Uh, with a losing yield uh, from a colder soil temperature planting, wait till it's about 65, get them put in there, and uh, cover it up about an inch deep. And uh, ideally, pull something like the packer mat, cold packer back over the top of them to make sure they're, they're sealed in there good and uh, transfer all that air space around them, and then should be good to go. So, Heath, would you want to with you, Austin? On that, you know, one one thing we look at, too, is the moisture content in the soil. So if we know we're going to get a rain or something, within the next couple of days, we tend to try to stay a little shallower because you can have an uh, opportunity for the ground to actually crust over. And 
soybeans are very versatile and very adaptive, but when they're first germinating and starting to put that those first two leaves out, uh, the next can break off and you can not you can have 100% germination but have zero stand if you're not careful. So, mm. you know, that's one thing to watch out for as you're you're trying to put these things in the ground is what the weather is going to do in the next 3 to 5 days and if you're not going to get that rain in the next three to five days and you have moisture definitely stick to the deeper side but just gotta be mindful of those pieces as you move forward so heath uh, that's a great point how shallow are you talking about uh you know (laughs) in ag we go by knuckles so typically you know a knuckle and a half deep is probably on the shallow side up to you know we put them in an inch and a half to two inches depending on if we had moisture that low and we're not expecting rain for a very long time because the soybeans if they don't have moisture and it gets hot on you can actually set and bake in the soil and you'll have zero percent germination again wow wow so yeah that's good information so, uh, so look, one of the things, and Lanny, you kind of hit on it a, 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 a earlier when you said that soybeans can be a, a bit intimidating. <clears throat> yeah. When you walk into a farm supply store and they ask you, well, what group do you want Prime. and all that kind of can you can you explain to people, and, and us sure. too, because we're trying to learn this, and what these groupings mean, and then you might maybe hit on what group these, uh, these game changers right. are. Sure. So, you know, groupings are basically go by the Roman numerals, but numbers, triple zero, zeros, uh, ones, twos, threes, fours, fives. That's how the maturity groups are ranked. And basically what the difference in those is, is 10 days. So a group four will be 10 days longer to maturing than a group three. A group five will be 10 more than a group four, so on and so forth. So, mm-hmm. You know, that just gives you a general idea of when the beans will actually reach physical maturity. Um, As a reference point, um, they've done studies uh, in uh, actually near Stoneville there, not too far from you guys, but uh, on a group five, which the game changer is a mid-group five soybean, uh, there's roughly 96 days if you're planting in April from planting to maturity, full maturity. That's leaves drop, beans are dried down in the pod. So that gives you kind of a range there of what the maturity differences are. So I hear a lot of guys that like to go with a higher maturity, higher grouping, so that they can have green longer toward, and maybe potentially even have green beans, uh, leaves, forage, on into possibly close to both season. Is, is that sure. right? Am I explaining that right? Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, you know, a lot of folks look at, at later groups, uh, you know, maybe 15 to 20 days later. What what we find, uh, again, looking for a dual-purpose type bean, is in the northern half of the U.S., these beans are going to do that like a real late maturity would do in the south. So you get the benefits of that, but we in the south end up, be able to put in our fall food plot right before these guys start dropping leaves. So if you think about spraying glyphosate and you've got a real clean uh, mat underneath your your soybean and you go in over the top right before these guys start, when the leaves start turning yellow on the soybean and put your, your fall plot in, you're going to get some sprouts. The leaves from the beans are going to fall down and help hold that moisture in where normally we're lacking in the late August, September uh, time frame for rain and giving us the ability to have a better stand on our fall food plots as well. Hmm. That's interesting. I never thought about yeah. that. I think our friends, the Drury's, <laughs> may have coined a phrase called green and grain. Green to green transfer. Yeah, green to green transfer. And, and uh, but so where you're, you know, you, you throw the seed out on top of the yellowing soybeans. Before uh, they drop the leaves. Yeah, maybe something like yep. Green Patch Plus. or yeah. So uh, what they're talking about is moving the deer from soybeans to a food plot, you know, green to green transfer. So, But that, that what he just described is uh, I've you seen know, other people doing it and have really good success, yeah. and especially some larger farmers that are doing uh, – they, they've even done this with some uh, – like on those big, giant soybean fields you see – that they've been able to go through there with a with a I think the where, where this came from. Correct me if I'm wrong, Heath, but a lot of the guys are flying wheat on 
uh, as a cover crop, crop okay. and they're doing it right before those right, right before those leaves drop. So, yeah, gotcha. so that's where food plotters learn yeah. to do that. Uh, I, I got a quick question: Is the protein level the same in the leaf as it is the bean? So that that very slightly no is the answer. Typically, soybean leaves are somewhere between eleven and twenty-two percent protein. You know, what we tend to look at when we look at a forward soybean, uh, as we do some of these in a, a true kind of a bailing and haying situation and looking at total dry matter, um, you know, depending on growth stage, I looked at some of the differences that we had in dry matter, which basically come back to a, a pound per acre of protein. So let's say the beans get up and start blooming. Uh, and right when they start blooming, if we were to cut everything dry down, we get about uh, 4,000 pounds, roughly, on average, of dry matter uh, that actually brings about 700 pounds of protein to the acre, which, you know, sinking in grams, a soybean seed itself is roughly 36, uh, 36% protein, which is about 52 grams of protein. So think about a gram as a soybean being 56. But if we're putting dry matter down per acre, we're putting about 385,000 grams of protein in the forage of dry, dry matter. And as they continue to grow, that enhances it exponentially. Like right before we were talking about the leaves getting yellow and dropping, you know, there's a potential for up to 7,100 pounds of dry matter per acre, which relates to roughly 1,400 grams of protein per acre. So, you know, I know we think about protein in deer as a percentage, but these, these are protein-packed leaves, beans, the, the whole plant itself. Sure. And y'all selected this particular one because of the ratio of leaves to beans too, wasn't it? It is. And like I said, you know, we do understand there's a value to having the, the beans that in the wintertime, as we talked about with the fall. But again, this comes back to the indeterminate versus a determinate soybean type, which the indeterminate continues to grow even after it flowers. So that's where we see forward soybeans with all the hype is that it is a true indeterminate rise. And with that, you get ranchiness with the biologic game changers. So we wanted something that was tall and branchy because number one, it helps us to canopy to help control the weed. But two, it also gives us an additional forage piece uh, that, that helps that dry matter bump on up too. Yeah, I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, really with these forage beans, you're wanting more more leaf matter. Right. Uh, you know, that was – so uh, an ag bean is designed to produce more pods and more pe- beans. Right. And these were selected and designed to produce equal amounts of forage and beans to deliver as much protein as possible to the whitetails. So you wouldn't harvest these things. I wouldn't Absolutely. think so. No. Right. So I mean, it's it, it's it. Everybody understands this. It's no secret that where, where you if you look at a map of Boone and, where Boone and Crockett's are, they on, like soybeans. It, they like soybeans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, in that main farm country in the Delta, yeah, Mississippi, where right. the soybeans are grown, deer they love them. There's right. no doubt about that. So what what Stratton has done, what Heath is focused on, is trying to create a bean that that does for a food plot. For yeah, our guy, uh, you know, right. uh, what will perform for them. And so, Heath, that leads me to a question. Um, uh, you know, if you could explain the terminal bud just a little bit, and then if you would give your opinion on what a minimum size food plot needs to be to grow beans, because we we need to explain that so folks aren't disappointed. Sure, sure. Well, and, uh, you know, a terminal bud, as we've talked about the indeterminate and determinate, the into the terminal bud is the actual growing point of the soybean. So as these things continue to get higher or, or taller, the, the terminal node is what keeps moving to the next level. It's the very center of the soybean itself. So that is a very important piece in that if it happens to get clipped off, that's where your soybean stops growing. So, you know, it's important to try to protect that as much as we can in the early growth stages until we get more branchiness, more vegetative uh, growth in the soybean. So, you know, that does lead into your question about uh, how big should a plot be. And, you know, that, to me, that, that's a difficult question to answer because you've got to think about your first, your deer 
density mm-hmm. uh, what your population is because soybeans can get decimated quickly because they are a preferred item for deer, especially in areas where soybean crops aren't a typical row crop. So, you know, everything we designed, the, the planning rates for uh, the, the package size has been planned for at least a minimum of an acre, but knowing that if you have lower populations or different food sources that you probably can get away with something smaller, but, you know, we'd certainly like to see at least an acre and, you know, preferably four to five acres. But again, <laughs> if you had a high density, uh, four to five acres may not be enough. Sure. Yeah. Or yeah, there's, have, there's or, so many variables that go into that, man. I mean, if you're trying to put a plot in that's a one acre in the middle of 500 acres of timber and there's not any row crop within two or three miles in any direction, even a moderate two density is probably going to wipe out a one acre food plot. There's not something around it to protect it to let it reach a, uh, a more established growth stage where it can keep up with the browse pressure. So, so many variables, but I'm like Keith, uh, the more the merrier. Obviously, everybody's on a budget, but if you know you've got a lot of mouth and feet, and there's going to be a lot of pressure, you'll be, I mean, they're trying to grow as much food as possible, and there's not a lot of fun in seeing an acre and a half soybean field not make it above ankle high because there's 30 deer a night just mowing it down, so a lot of variables, but just keep in mind where you're putting it and what to expect when it comes to deer density as well as the, uh, the size of the plot. Yeah, that, that's good information. So I'm looking across over there at Mac. He's, uh, he's always got a question. Mac has been loading a lot of game-changer soybeans in the last 10 days, two weeks, so he, you've touched a bunch of them, Mac. Do you have any questions for Heath? The questions that I was going to ask is how how y'all came to decide on the group five, what you hit on, uh, as far as the size of a food plot. That's a question we get uh, asked a lot. And we've got guys, you know, everywhere from Michigan to South Louisiana planting these. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're flying off the shelves. And, and one of the main questions was how big does my food plot need to be and when can I spray it with Roundup glyphosate? Sure. So, I mean, you hit, you hit on that completely. So, uh, okay, good. Thanks, Mac. So, uh, Heath, one more question for me, and then I'm on, Dudley's got a question. But do these beans need to be inoculated? Oh, they must have. Had it certainly question. helps uh, if if you do inoculate, especially going into ground that has not been planted in soybeans in some time. Uh, you know, soybeans are great nitrogen fixtures, which again leads us to the other reason why we try to broadcast our grain crop into our soybeans prior to the soybean leaves dropping just so they get an extra dose of nitrogen too that the soybeans have put back in the ground. But to make nitrogen, a soybean roots have to nodulate or basically put on little white pockets on their roots that make nitrogen. So uh, there's a, a organism in the ground called a Brady rhizobium, uh, just a little, little guy that's kind of swimming around in the ground down there that um, is the one that helps the plant nodulate. So when we're inoculating soybeans, we're adding Brady rhizobiums to either the seed or the ground to help that nodulation, which in turn helps to not only uh, just make the soybeans better overall, but it'll help give them a, a kick early on in life too. Wow. And Dudley, what was your question? Do you have to inoculate these soybeans? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, so Heath, I'll tell you this. Uh, so I'm, I'm uh I'm in my mid fifties. The fir- very first food plot I ever planted, I was fourteen years old, and in the summertime I planted a bag of soybeans with a, this gentleman's name was Jimmy Phillips down in Peerot, Alabama. He helped me do this, and we bought a bag of soybeans. And he told me we he told me to be sure I got a bag of inoculant, and he said get a six ounce Coca Cola, and. Uh, when we got down to the field, he shook up that Coca-Cola and sprayed it all over the soybeans in a in a bucket. And so that would make the his stick to it. Hmm. And then we planted them, and that deer went crazy. But I've been hooked on food plots ever since. But I can re- I can remember that day like I was like it was. Yesterday. Did you get a stand? 
Well, I got a stand, and then the deer just ate on ate the ground. ground. Yeah. yeah, the the biggest deer I ever killed was uh, I was twelve years old, first time I ever muzzleloader hunted, and uh, my dad had planted two acres of an old school forage variety called Tyrone. And uh, I remember those Tyrone yeah, things. And uh, we had such a low deer population that the deer didn't wipe it out, but they finally found the beans, and you couldn't keep the deer out of it, um, and so. I had a lot of fun hunts in that spot. I'm and, a fan of soybeans. Yeah, soybeans yeah. have come a long way since then, uh, you know, with crossing the different forage varieties and everything. It's so unique, so, so interesting. So, look, we are so proud of the relationship between Stratton Seed and Biologic. And, and Heath, we've uh, we've really enjoyed working with you guys, and there's a lot of good things on the horizon that uh, that, that, that I know that we're working together on. And, and uh, so we, we just – we want to make sure, guys, uh, you pay attention to these soybeans because they are. They, if you're a gamekeeper and you're trying to, uh, you know, improve the herd health on your property, this is one. This could be one performance plot that could work for you and accomplish a lot of goals. And uh, so the beans are available at some of the uh, through the some of the Stratton dealers. They're available through some of the better biologic dealers. Mm-hmm. They're available at PlantBiologic.com. So if you're looking for them, you can find them. Yep, no doubt, and we appreciate the relationship with Biologic too, uh, Bobby. You know, it's it's been a fun, fun job for us. You know, sometimes getting stuck in row crop, you kind of get drugged down. But uh, all of us here are avid hunters as well, so it it honestly doesn't feel like work whenever we get to play in that side of the arena too. But uh, it's you know searching for the Biologic game changers and seeing the advantages we've had there. Um, we certainly are looking for other crops, other cereal grains that we're trying to find that we can isolate like we did with the Game Changer and bring forward a, a superior product to what's out there for because we we want it to be as easy as possible and as as economic as possible for these guys to be able to, to grow good food plots. Yeah, and, and no, you guys are experts. I mean, you're bringing some agricultural experience to this, which is uh, invaluable. And so, again, we're just real proud of it. And, and look, if we didn't ask, answer all the questions somebody may have, if you'll email us, we'll we'll make sure we get an answer and and, uh, and communicate that back to any of our listeners here. But does anybody else have anything before we let Heath go? He's a busy fellow. No, nah, looking forward to you know bringing out more stuff together with Stratton using their, their genetics and everything that they've been they've been isolating for us. Super uh, excited to. I think we're working on some rices. There's some other kind of stuff in the works. So this is not going to be the first time we hear from uh, yeah. Mr. Heath. That's right. Okay, wait a minute. But Heath, before you go, Mac is waving over. Mac has figured out a question. He got him a question over there. (laughs) All right, go, Mac. When can we get some more? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We had a truck arrive yesterday. You guys just tell me, and and we'll we'll get them to you. That that sounds good. Heath, we appreciate you being on. Thank you so much. Thanks, Heath. Thanks, Heath. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. All right. I really like him. Yeah, and, you know, we don't. I don't normally say something's a silver bullet, but I think this soybean is. It's, it's a it's, magic bean. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Uh, they hit all the right places that, that we need for, for a soybean for whitetails. And just the the ability to throw some cereal grains and clovers and brassicas over the top uh, right when they're turning yellow, that's just a magical combination. Well, Lanny, what do you think? I think that uh, – Soybeans grow big deer. You know, I think that's what, what we've always thought. But I think the the effect that it has on overall herd health is probably not as promoted, but just as drastic. You know, what we've learned over um, studying with, with just with the Mississippi State Deer Lab about, you know, even fawning and those little guys reaching their full genetic potential, having to have a um, maintainable source of high protein food sources for them is hugely important. So, you know, it's just not about just growing, you know, obviously we all love giant whitetails, but the effect that it can have on their overall herd health is tremendous as well. Yeah, it is. It sure is. That's that's good. So, all right. Well, look, let's, uh, why don't we, uh, we ought to do an Ask Dudley before we get out of here. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Mike, you got to Ask Dudley? Oh, God. I completely forgot. We've been so busy. I completely He's forgot. been shipping oh, out man. the Game Changer <laughs> beans. I, the I did the commercial Dude. and then forgot, <laughs> forgot oh, to goodness. Ask Dudley. 
Well, well look, I mean, we, the, the phones are going crazy. Down and here. they are ringing all right. the time. So, I see them flashing. Over. So, look, yeah, I, Can you? I've, I got an idea. Why don't we just randomly pick up the phone? There's somebody calling with a question, we'll, and we'll just see if it's one that could. It, it'll, I don't it'll, know. It'll be I don't know. Oh, you, you're going to have a live caller on? I can, we'll tell them it's live. I can find an ask Ellie if I need to. Well, let's just look, look. There's four lines lit up. Why don't we go to the first line? And let's right. just okay. see. Okay. okay, let's go to the first line. All right. Here we go. Mossy Oak, this is Dudley. Hello? Yeah. This is Billy with Waste Management. I need somebody to come out here and open up the gate. I'm here to keep the phone. Oh, oh God. God. Okay, let me transfer that one to Patricia. Yeah. I'm sorry. All right, hang on. H- hang on, Billy. Hang on. All right. All right. That, that, yeah. that one, I'm hoping you, All right, hang on. All right. Okay, all right. So you gonna let's me? just try one more. Okay, okay Let's okay. just try one more right. and see what happens. Good we got to get the trash picked up. Line two. Mossy Oak, this is Dudley. Uh, yeah. Hey, Dudley, this is uh, Mike. I had a question on your perfect putt. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, looking at good some. I got a little lake. It's probably, I don't know, an acre and a half and two acres. I uh, mean, my kids like to fish out a lot. And was looking into fertilizing it, but I've never done it. So I guess my question, just kind of trying to figure out how to get started, like when when do I fertilize? And also, is there anything I need to know what not to do so I don't kill everything trying to help? Gotcha. Yeah, you got to be careful with it. Uh, it's it's really easy to do, though. And, and if you like catching fish, especially if you like catching and eating fish. Mm, I love eating um, fish. Mm-hmm. Fertilization can uh, double or even quadruple, uh, like the volume or carrying capacity of your lake. So, um, you got to start when the soil temperature—not the soil temperature—you got to start when the water temperature gets to be around sixty degrees. Um, here in Mississippi, uh, in the southeast, uh, you want to start checking your temp maybe late February, early March. Um, you typically double your rate the first time you put it out. So it's a five pound per acre product, but the first application you want to put about 10 pounds per acre out. Um, and so what that will do, you'll get what's called an algae bloom, uh, which is a, a phytoplankton. And that's going to, that's going to feed, you know, little invertebrates, little minnows, uh, other types of plankton. Um, that they'll eat, and then, you know, that's the lowest thing in the food chain. And then then the minnows will start eating the invertebrates and then the bigger fit, you know, and you see how that works. And so you'll create healthier fish that can produce even more fish. Um, but you, you have to keep reapplying it often. Uh, and, and no two lakes are going to be the same. Uh, I'd recommend getting the soil or the, you know, the mud in the bottom of your pond checked for pH and hardness. Uh, you can do that. Uh, you can call us again once you get that done, and we can help you understand what you're doing and how much to apply. But uh, typically, once you get a bloom, usually every month you have to reapply about five pounds per acre um, and you can drop what's called a sechi disc into the water. It's it's like a white plate. It's about eight inches in diameter. Uh, you can make one yourself. Um, it's like and, a yardstick kind of a thing. Yeah, either a yardstick <clears throat> attached to that plate, or even drill a hole in it and put a put a rope through it and tie a yeah. knot. Um, if you can see deeper than about 24 inches, you need to reapply. Mm. Um, if you drop right. it down. Uh, you know, if it's too thick, you won't be able to see it at 18 inches or shallower, and, and that means you need to wait to reapply. But typically, you do that until the fall, you know, maybe sometime in October or November, and then quit applying it. And that and, bloom, Dudley, that really helps also with weed control, doesn't it? Because the sunlight can't hit the bottom of the lake. It does. So it, it's going to decrease light penetration to the bottom of the pond. So aquatic plants that you don't want, it will it'll kind of shade them out. Uh, so, it, you know, you're creating plankton and decreasing light pen- penetration mm-hmm. deeper. Yeah. So I, t- I can tell you this. We have so many people that have used the Perfect Pond Plus fertilizer. And, and it's it's this water-soluble. So you can stand on one end of the pond and fertilize it, and it'll spread itself out across the whole pond. It, but my point is, once they have started using it, 
they continue to use it because they see how much healthier their fish are, how much more productive the pond is. It makes a huge difference. It does. And, and it's it's a very efficient fertilizer. It, it dissolves in the top couple of feet of the water column. Sure, that's right where you want it. Yeah, Mike, guess you didn't know you were on the group conversation here, so we're kind of jumping in there. With, appreciate your question. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I heard a couple of people talking. Right? That's yeah. great. <laughs> and one more question, too. On his initial application, you know, I know we say five pounds to the acre. Is that about what the application rate is? Does your initial application need to be heavier than yeah, that? Yeah, you, you'll double it. He mentioned that. You'll, okay. On the first one, you'll double it. And so he would go, if he's got an acre and a half, two-acre pond, he would go from 10 to 15 pounds maybe on his initial application. And then on the maintaining, it might be five. That's five right. Seven. And, you know, maintaining also depends on if you uh, – depending on how much rain you get right. or if you've got uh, if you've got a pond that drains off the top so your bloom when it rains is running right. off. But some of the more modern ponds now drain off the bottom. So, so that would allow your bloom to stay. So it's just something you've got to monitor, and we kind of tell people every month or six weeks to check it out and see. Yeah. Well, Mike, welcome to the Gamekeeper Podcast. I don't know if you're going to you're going to be on today, but did that get your question answered? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, y'all got my questions answered. I mean, it sounds pretty easy. So I really just stay with the recommended rates and everything should go planned, sounds like. And if you ever have any questions, don't hesitate to call us back. We're here to help. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Have Thanks, Mike. Get that guy a gamekeeper pack, a game pack. Let's put him to the torture yeah. chamber. How, how about that? We just took a random call. That, was, that worked yeah, out pretty yeah, well. It really did, except for the first one. Uh, other than that. that well, we got to get the good. trash taken out. You know, it's just part of the deal. So, look, um, we're getting ready to close this thing out. Is there anything that you need to touch on, Lanny? Uh, you got a shout out to your buddy, so you got that done. Yeah, old Lan. Appreciate meeting you in the woods there, buddy. Maybe I'll run into you on the river again. Yeah. And then, uh, I'm, I'm again... I'm happy for little Wayne over there. About ten percent happy and ninety percent jealous, but yeah. it's all good. Kind of makes it rough. Yeah, he does. What about you, Dudley? Well, what, I mean, I, I know we're all kind of gung ho turkey right now, but uh, you know, when you're out in the woods, be walking around looking for things that are blooming. Uh, you know, I saw some pawpaw blooming in my yard this morning. Uh, all the plums are blooming. So you can mark things. Uh, you may be able to find some invasives that you want to mark to take out. Like if you've got any calorie pair coming up on your place, things like that. So this blooming period is a good time to, to notice and find things that you didn't know you had. I know yeah. Bobby loves picking stuff in the woods. I know. Well, yeah, I dig up the little white lilies. Yeah, he's got white lilies. And then yeah. the, the wild azaleas, you know, can't you put the brick on the leaf right now and get those started? Get them to root. Uh, morel mushrooms are popping up all over the place. So, yeah, that's good. Hey, man. So, didn't you have something that you were going to be on next week you wanted to plug or talk about? Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, I was on the Element podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, episode 195. That's Tyler Jones and Casey Smith. Great guys. They're a lot of fun. Uh, we mainly hit on grafting oh. and uh, nerded out on soft mast, et cetera. I bet y'all um, did. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we nerded out. Um, and then uh, in a couple of weeks, I don't want to completely spill the beans, but uh, uh, Cuz and I are going to be doing some stuff with the MSU and University of Florida Deer Lab guys. Okay, um, that sounds fun. So, uh, working with some of those PhDs and uh, it's going to be kind of like a game. And uh, is this anyway, the, is this the bracket? Thing? The people that we learn all this stuff from, we're, we're going to be meeting with them and, and talking about some fun stuff. Well, so good. be I on the lookout we'll, yeah, for that. I'm sure we'll be talking more about that. So, well, this has been a good one. We've enjoyed it. I want to thank uh, Jason Cleveland over there and Richie. Be sure to uh, say hello to your wife for us, if you would. Little Wayne's been helping a little bit over there. If you like me, yeah. And, of course, there's Mac, who's Mac, always text, Mac. texting somebody yeah. whenever we're doing this. He's keeping but, his back straight, though. Yeah. yeah, so, well, let's wrap this one up. About this ready to eat fun. some red beans yeah. and rice with wild boar tassel. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. exactly, Come on, exactly what I'm thinking about. Mm. So, all right, well, say goodbye, Dudley. Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Cleve. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.